Hello, Podwalkers, and welcome back to another episode of the Goblin Lore Podcast. Uh, this is Hobbs Q. My pronouns are he, him, and I'm just going to do a little bit of a, an intro. So before we get, I hand it over to our host and we kind of do our question to start off the episode. We want to make sure to thank the Grinding Coffee Company. Uh, they are an LGBT minority ran and led coffee company that supports gamers. And they've been, you know, working with us and partnering us for quite a while. I mean, since almost the beginning of the company. And they're very supportive of charity events and everything that we kind of do throughout the year, uh, as well as you can get coffee from them and get a discount. And that gives us a little bit of money back that we're able to use for, we use it for shipping, for buying stickers, which is kind of help uh, keep th those, those other little expenses of things that we like to be able to do. Uh, it's just very supportive to us. So you can check out our link tree. Um, to get our our links to both as well to the grinding grinding coffee company to original magic um to we have our i think a rope runner i think that link is still up there we have a discount for that what's the keyword again alex if you want a rope runner oh um i can't remember now not off the top of my head <laughs> this keeps happening to us yeah it's i fine. think it was magic planner i believe I, I, it's something. I'll I'll probably look at that and I'll try to get that one because it's still the beginning of the year. People are looking for a planning system. That's one that we like. But now that we got all that out of the way, uh, we're going to do a question for today, which is, you know, this is a mailbag episode. So just spoiler alert, we kind of put the word out, especially to our Discord. And that was something that, you know, last week we mentioned this kind of towards the end of the episode. And we wanted to make sure that we gave a shout out to our Discord. We actually went from recording last week to post in the Discord channel about doing this. And and the link to Discord is active and it's always in our link tree. You can come join. You don't have to belong to our Patreon. Uh, there are some tiers. You get episodes a little bit early. There's a chat only for people that are patrons, but most of it is just open and free. And uh, I'm in a lot of Discords. Our Discord is one of the most active that I'm in and it's active in a way that is very important to me. Um, the main channels that I can think of that, that get used a ton are posting your wins, mental health, and yell into the void. And I think that this is an example of why we like our, our Discord. Uh, I mean, there's other ones to do with story and games, but these ones uh, are very unique, and I think people are very open and raw there. And this has been something that people are very good about using spoiler tags to put sensitive content behind. They're just very mindful, yet very open. And, and Draco, Lucian, one of our... our uh, but one of the people who've been in that discord for a very very long time he even posted recently on twitter about what being in this discord has meant for him as he struggled with kind of his own mental health and we want to make sure that we're just giving a shout out for that discord because it is a place for people to land to just be able to have open and pretty frank conversations about mental health celebrate each other's wins and really function as a a goblin community as a warren and most of the questions that we're pulling from today came from people that are in that Discord. So we just wanted to let people know that is always open. Please check it out if you haven't. If you're looking for a Discord that might feel like somewhere that you can go to, especially if you're moving away from Twitter, we've been very happy with it, I would say. So question for today is, what's something that you are grateful for? And so I'm, I, once again, I'm Hobbs. My pronouns are he, him. And I am grateful today for my family. Just um, the last couple of weekends, I've been able to do a lot more, whether it comes to magic or, you know, going to do some photography stuff. And I, that isn't possible without the community that I have from my my wife and from even just my kids and, and having them be willing to, you know, 
Gwen go down for quiet time and be willing to be just well behaved in some ways so that I could step away or leave for the house for a little bit and go meet up with some magic people. So yeah, I'm, I'm grateful for my family right now. Uh, I'll pass it over to Alex. Hi, I'm, I'm on Twitter at Mel underscore chronicler. My pronouns are, are he, him. And, and this week, like one, one thing I, I'm, I'm definitely thankful. And I was just talking to Hobbs a little bit before, before the show, but, um, I was able to just yesterday, spend the whole day hanging out with a, a good friend of mine who have not um, had a chance to see for a while. And it, it, this year, I'm trying to think of when it was some point last, uh, some point in December was the last time we saw each other, but it was just, it was really nice to just get the chance to sit down with this old friend of mine and just hang out. And we just spent the whole day kind of doing nothing. We actually went back and played some Elden Ring, a game that I haven't touched since I stopped playing it halfway through last year. Loved the game, put a lot of time into it, but it just kind of thought I was done with it. But it was a nice thing just to kind of do in the middle of us hanging out. And and so just in, in a more general sense, like I'm, I'm really thankful that I always have good friends and I get a good network, including the people on air with me right now. But uh, just this week, I was very glad to to have the chance to sit down and, and just spend some time with with my oldest friends and again who had not seen for a while and i know my he has had some stuff going on lately and i've had some stuff going on i've talked a little bit about had some just some work issues and and things so it was nice to finally kind of put all that away i mean i mean he and i even talked about it but it was just nice to be able to just relax and spend the time with with him and so that's that's my answer for that and Hi, I'm Taya, she, her, they, them pronouns. Um, I'm at Taya Transcends. And I'm going to, you know, I'm going to piggyback a bit off what Hobbs said about our Discord, but I'm thankful for our listeners that actually in our, the ones that participate with us, especially um, that, you know, answer our questions when we ask them and participate with us on Twitter and really um, love to have you all participating with us on this uh, goblin adventure and hope that, um, or would love to see more of you participate and be active in the, you know, with our community. And uh, yeah, just another plug for the discord. It's a great place to hang out. So we, we got a lot of questions. We won't be able to unfortunately get to all of them now. We'll kind of keep them for later, but we were going to start out by all of us just kind of, we're going to just do what we normally do with this. Uh, zero preparation and just start firing things at each other. And well, at least that's what I'm going to do. Um, we kind of talked a little bit beforehand. We were going to just kind of pick out random ones. Uh, so do either of you have a one that you feel strongly with to start us off? So in my normal fashion of cheating, um, when I answer questions, I, I, I have one that I have a answer that's kind of a cheat answer that I, I feel good about. If, if we want to start there. Of course. If we're going to, yeah, we might as well. This is <laughs> a good way to start a goblin cast is by yeah, cheating. By okay. Alex cheating. Yes. Yeah. Cool. So uh, from, from uh, Cilantro Lad uh, asks, do you have a favorite goblin in non MTG media? And so this I'm, I'm, I'm cheating. So my answer to this is, uh, is, is a guy named Daniel Green, who is a YouTuber slash booktuber who talks a lot about uh, books and things, but also sort of science fiction fantasy in general. But he is very like a big part of his brand is being a goblin. And he literally starts his shows by calling himself, you know, I am your disheveled goblin host, Daniel Green. Like that's how he opens his show. 
And so I'm going to count that as a favorite goblin of mine because he has been a, I just really enjoy some of the topics that he talks about. He does some new stuff that is is nice to just kind of keep track of some of the, the show and book stuff. And just, it's a, it's a hobby that I really like books in general is reading because that's his main focus, but I don't have the same sort of focus on it like some of like magic and, and some of the video games areas where I've I've got a lot more focus on it. So it's nice to find this guy who I who I enjoy watching, who makes fun content, but who also can then give me a nice window into here's some things going on in this in the book world. So I'm really glad you chose this question because this is one that I actually did prepare for. Um, and that's because uh, you know there was a recent art that came out for um a goblin card that is, that is going, the new goblin bombardment art is basically, it looks like Grogu. It looks like two little Grogu's sitting in their little, uh, you know, like shell of a thing to protect themselves. And this really parallels very nicely the fact that I always say that th- we, we don't know what quote unquote like alien race Yoda and Grogu belong to. And th- it's because they're goblins. I mean, it's pretty simple. Like, really obsessed with shiny things you know if we think about when we meet yoda uh in empire strikes back on dagobah and he's like trying to not be like a jedi master but i also think that's just his personality he's kind of like <laughs> really distracted by like luke's like uh flashlight and he's just like starts hitting r2d2 with his cane over it and i think that's just because he's actually they are goblins like they'll their just speech... eat the slimiest things too yeah like he would he would eat it anything that was in that like in that swamp area i i currently have staring at me across the room a galactic snack and grogu toy that my parents bought for me for christmas that is all about the different things that grogu was eating during the show uh yeah be his random like thing frog ladies sentient eggs basically wait wait that was that was weird uh but yeah I mean, they, their speech patterns are kind of like we talked about with Slobad. This was one of the things we talked about was like his intelligence level, but how the wizards wrote his kind of speech patterns being this like kind of off broken language. Um, I mean, it's what we think of when we associate it more with Yoda, like the syntax that is backwards with grammar. Um, you know, I, I'm just saying it. Yoda and Grogu and whatever. I get, it's a, a Yaddle. Yaddle is the female one, I believe. They are all, they're goblins. And we just, we have not been told that explicitly. That'll come out when we get universes beyond Star Wars. It makes a lot of sense. It really does. I've never considered that, but I'm I'm sold on your theory. Good, good. <laughs> um, well, that was a good episode. <laughs> I want to go out on top. <laughs> yeah, so um, my favorite goblin in non-MTG um, media is Gob2 from Reincarnated as a Slime. Uh, he's, yes. a, he's a lot of fun. He's kind of clueless. Um, just wants to slack off all the time, but keeps getting in trouble because of it. And, uh, I don't know, he's just really cool and wears the nicest outfit. Uh, it's this leather, um, combat getup and really cool goblin. Uh, it took me a while to come up with an answer for this one because the, the first answer that came to mind was, kind of a double cheat because it, it's not in media and it was the mtg related thing which was the goblin character minzar for my campaign um D ravnica campaign that just wrapped up. <laughs> uh, so he didn't fit either one of him but uh kaburi if you happen to listen uh, minzar was my uh honorable mention for this uh and the first thing that came to mind that's fantastic that is a really good cheat 
Okay, uh, I am gonna take uh, and 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 uh, let's go here. It's Johan Helkite said. Well, let's go. What drives the motivation to do the podcast for each caster? You know what? I'm gonna take us from like simple, haha, like goblin in our thing to something that is pretty deep and. I'm going to talk so that my co-hosts have time to think in case they haven't, because this one for me is actually pretty easy. Um, my work can be stressful at times. Uh, I love what I do. I love working in psychology. I love being a psychologist. I love focusing on mental health, but like there's an amount of stress that comes with that. And yeah, you know, there's, the, the, I need an escape. And the thing that for me is I still want to be, I have always wanted to find a way to like break down stigma to be able to talk about mental health, but to do it in a context that's different than just therapy and what I have to do on kind of, or what I do on a day-to-day -day basis. So one of my biggest motivations for doing this podcast is I'm able to kind of share a lot of these concepts and these, uh, this information and this, the stuff that I love and that I'm very passionate about. And I want people to be open about the cast lets me do that in a different way. And it, and it does it in a way that means that it doesn't feel like more work. Um, you know, I, I would say like, that's the thing. I wouldn't want to do something that's just, you know, I, I got, I got a new camera and it could do video capability. And I had a, a psychologist friend that was like, wow, you could do like, you know, like psychology, YouTube videos. And I was like, well, I, I could, but like, that feels like I would just be doing like the same thing I do at work, but trying to make it friendly for a YouTube audience with this. There's no, I don't have to like find an Avenue. I just get to talk about magic and I get to sit and talk with people that I really enjoy having conversations with. And it just happens that we bring in a lot of these things that I would love to disseminate to a larger audience, something that I can't do at work. I can only really see one person at a time. I can't send messages out there or get ideas or thoughts or, you know, these, these topics where we really dive deep into depression. And what does that look like? We can reach such a big audience while also getting to do something that I love. So for me, that's that's my motivation to continue doing a podcast and doing this one in particular. And I, I chose this one. I know it's a tougher, but I, you know, I, I, I was thinking, I chose this one, Taya, partly in mind with you kind of coming on. And I know there were some other questions that were about this a little bit, but you know, the, you had gotten away. You weren't really podcasting. And I think it was something that was missed. And I think that there was a motivation that either... I think yeah. Yeah. So I, I've got so much useless Magic the Gathering lore knowledge just bouncing around my head all the time that it has to get out somewhere and might as well do it someplace <laughs> constructive. Instead of just um, strangers like on the street. Yeah. <laughs> my friends do not want to hear any more color pie theory um, discussions or, uh, you know, why. Uh, why slivers are the best creature type. I think they're sick of it. No. Um, but yeah. Uh, so this, uh, this was a really good question. So, I mean, the, the motivation um, is mostly because I love magic and I, I love the community aspect of the podcast. And, um, you know, it's what interested me in joining this particular podcast, especially. And I'm, um, get to talk about magic and, you know, hopefully um, drive some positivity or, you know, just some frank discussions about like mental health topics and stuff. So really being a part of that community. And that's what's um, motivating to me. 
for myself, following a lot of, I can echo a lot of, of what you know, Hobbs and Taya were saying. Um, I, for, for me, kind of starting the podcast, um, I liked the the community, kind of being part of the community. Um, Magic as a whole was kind of the first hobby, the first thing I'd sort of been into where there was this sort of greater community thing. I mean, like I've you know talked about, I have all these other hobbies, but most of those are really built in solitary ways, or I guess, you know, there's a lot of communities with, within like online gaming with video games and stuff, but that's a very different thing in magic, at least by and large getting back to it a little more now, but it was, it was face to face stuff. And so a lot of the community was built around face to face interactions. Um, and so for me, that was kind of where I started with magic. And then I kind of realized content creation was a, was a way to sort of be a more kind of make that community more part of be a bigger part of that community or be more present in that community. And that was because I wrote articles for a while and that's kind of why I started. But as we did the cast more, I realized, Hey, I mean, it's just fun to get to hang out and chat with, with, with people I enjoy chatting with, you know, friends who are on the cast, friends who aren't on the cast who come on or, New people who I've never talked to, or at least new people to me, but who are just f- fun and fascinating and amazing people to to get to come on and talk about whatever they have going on, whatever their interactions with magic are. Some cases aren't, you know, no, no interactions with magic, but whatever, you know, topic we have going on. But the mental health thing has become a bigger, sort of bigger part of it for me, like to, to the point where like now doing this stuff on the cast and, and really trying to have these these open conversations and, and to start pushing back against stigma and to kind of help with that. I'm doing more of that in my personal life than I used to, because now it's like, well, this is just a thing I should be doing over here too. And I'm looking for ways to do it at work. And, and even just in my interactions with, with people, I'm having, you know, small interactions in team meetings or, or, or one-on-ones with my supervisor. I'm much more open about my mental health and talking about my anxiety and, and, and things in, in ways that I have had coworkers tell me are helpful to them and that they are grateful to see someone sort of just having that. Yeah. Modeling. That's a great way to say it. But so that is just become a bigger part of a, like the, this cast, but it's also like in this fun cyclical way where the cast sort of kind of got me started in that way. And so it's nice to then come back to the podcast and continue that cycle. Yeah. The reciprocal nature is something that's really interesting. Like, I think that we we've talked a lot about uh, the, the idea of intentionality, which is something that you and I discussed a lot more on this show before I ever started really bringing it into my work life where it's been something that I highlight now in therapy for a lot of the veterans that I'm working with is intentionality. And I'm not saying it wasn't there before, but it's, it's the intentionally mentioning intentionality, <laughs> like, I, which is sounds <laughs> kind of silly, but I mean, it's, it's not me waiting for it to, a moment to bring it in. It's just addressing it and saying like, we need to be attentional. We need to do this. We need to be thoughtful. We need to, you know, it's like trying to bring that language in. I'm finding myself doing it a lot more than I used to. And what's funny is even though like I can't, this is one of those weird things like as a government person is also, it's just like uh, mainly as a government person, I can't like endorse specific things. So I've had to like talk about Rote Runner without being like, and there's this tool that you could buy, right? Because I can't like, <laughs> and here's a code to get your discount on it. But I do, it has let me bring up the concept of mindful planning because we talked about it on the show. And I have people that are struggling with 
well, like, well, traditional planners don't work for me. So I now have knowledge that I gained from just doing the show and having conversations that I'm bringing back to then my, my actual, like my, my therapy life. And I think that this is another place where that discord comes into it is some of the things that we talk about there in the mental health world really helps me to feel like normalization or to bring in normalization when talking to people I work with about like, you know what, like this is a common experience. I think that that's one of the things I love about the discord is you see how much people identify with each other. Yeah. Um, all right. I'm going to pick the next question and, and it's, it's a similar question. Uh, Proteus factor asks, uh, what is your favorite or most memorable episode or maybe for Taya, what episode made you want to become a goblin? And for me, uh, it's the Anthony waters episodes. Um, those were um, kind of brutally honest um, episodes dealing about kind of aftermath of the traumatic incident and, you know, got to talk about how that influenced his art and his life. And, you know, I, that was, uh, you know, something I remember pretty uh, heavily, which is, you know, it's, it's been a while since that episode now, but, uh, you know, and I, I was scrolling through the history of episodes and that was immediately stuck out to me is like, yes, this is the one that, um, you know, I've nearly five years doing this show that I think's had the biggest impact on me. Wow. That one is, yeah, that one has come up a lot in discussions I've had with, with people about the show. Um, like consistently that one comes up and that was one of the things that was wild about going to Richmond and then actually getting to sit down like next to him and talk, uh, I think of the memorable episodes and I think it's the ones where there's, there's been so many of them for me, you know, as you said, kind of that we are going on five years. Richmond was my opportunity to all of a sudden realize how many people I was sitting in a room with that I had sat and had pretty deep, serious conversations with and had never actually seen face to face. And I think some of the memorable ones for me have been when we've had those conversations. I, I, the ant one, I think, is a standout for me, too, and I'm probably going to go to it because I can tell you, having recorded that episode, we did not know what direction that fully was going in. Um, Alex and I were, you know, we had been talking to him for a little bit. I, actually, it was funny. I had gotten in touch with him originally about artist proofs. Like, that was how the whole conversation started, and I happened to mention, you know, we, we got on the topic of mental health, and I was mentioning this podcast, and he basically was like wow that let me check it out i would love to come on and talk about mental health in the art world and how you know it's one of those things that i think for a lot of fields we talk about this that it's something that you know it's just not discussed you don't you don't talk about your struggles within kind of the your your job with mental health right uh and he mentioned that within the art community it was still a pretty taboo topic the pivot that we took as you mentioned kind of the survivor of a traumatic kind of life event and you know, I'll put notes in the notes to to, to, to remind us, but he, he talked about the suicide of a parent. Um, like Alex and I were, I were not, we had no clue that was coming. We didn't know that about his history. We didn't know that it wasn't something that he'd added into the show notes. Um, but I think it spoke to when I talked to him later, he felt comfortable and safe talking about it because of what the show has done. And so I just, that that to me is a memorable one for that moment to me realize that people feel comfortable to open up sometimes uh, with us. Yeah, those those are 
that was that was a, a a very powerful episode for for me as well. But I, I, one one that I go to a lot um, that was striking to me, I think, just because it was like, oh, we can kind of do a lot of things, and and it was fairly early, episode thirty four. I went and looked up the the number. It's it's, it's an episode that um, unfortunately Hobbs was not able to make it, but Joe and I recorded with our friend Renee, who at the time was working for I believe the New Hampshire. I can't remember which state exactly. It was Delaware um, disaster planning. It was Delaware. Yep. It was Delaware. Okay. But I know since then, Renee is now working for FEMA, the, the federal level like disaster uh, preparedness um, organization in the U S and that was such a cool episode to me because like I said, it, it, we, we were talking, it was around the time of, of war, of the spark. Um, it's too bad. We didn't get a lot of story about that set, you know, unfortunate um, that there's just a big void there, but it was, it was right before and we kind of knew a little bit of what was going on. And so it was fun to be, to take a kind of a jokey approach and be like, okay, we're going to talk about something real in the real world. That's a very, you know, good thing to know and very serious topic um, to talk about and disaster relief and preparedness and all this. And then we're going to use that and pivot to talk about, how should the citizens of Ravnica prepare for, you know, or, or deal with this um, zombie apocalypse, you know, the zombie invasion from another planet. And, and it was just a, such a fun episode, a, just a fun episode to get to talk to Renee. Um, Renee was one of the editors for the websites that I used to write for. So it was fun to get to kind of work with Renee again in magic content creation in a, this new sort of place, but it was just fun to kind of take that whole, our early remit before, um, so mental health kind of came became a part of it and was a nice fit for it. But you know, we set this as we're going to talk about real world and we're going to talk about the story and kind of use them to springboard off of each other. And we still do that from time to time today to talk about other topics. But, you know, some mental health has become a big, a big focus point, which is great. And some of these other things have become a little more the, the things that we go to more. Um, we've kind of found a good groove for ourselves there. But early on, it was fun to find some of these other just weird things where I should, when I say weird, I mean just stuff I never would have thought of when we started this cast, when we first started making lists of topics and started trying to work out what are we even going to talk about? Never would have thought, Hey, let's talk about, you know, disaster preparedness, um, which so that was just such a fun one for me. And that's, I like to point to that one a lot for just some of the, the stuff that we get to, outside of sort of the, the more normal things that we are work really well with in the cast, but this is kind of a little bit off the beaten trail of, of what we normally do now. Nice. Well, Alex, what's the next question for us? Oh, see, and I should have been working on that, um, <laughs> but I wasn't, I was busy coming up with that so i'm gonna go to this question uh from uh i've i've read this person's name from our discord all the time because they're uh a a frequent person in there and i realize i've never said it out loud so queer visual you think you pronounce it that way queer i think visual? it's queer visual like queer a visual like a queer individual queer yeah. visual sorry yes it, it the, the portmanteaus sometimes break <laughs> my brain with how to pronounce all of the anyway um so what is one piece of knowledge that you'd want everyone to have uh one thing that you think would 
benefit everyone from from learning or knowing. And um, because I'm getting the, I'm picking this question, I'm going to pick what I feel is a fairly open ended but also low hanging fruit thing. I, I just cooking. And it doesn't have to be elaborate, ridiculous <laughs> things, but I think everyone should be able to cook a couple of fairly simple things. Like in the U.S., like a grilled cheese sandwich is a really nice, easy thing to be able to just, if you know how to cook that, you know, if you know how to heat up your pan and you kind of can fry some stuff like that is just so valuable to know and to just be able to cook really, really basic stuff to, Put stuff on a pan, take stuff off the pan, eat the food. So that, that's I'm, cool. I'm glad you picked this one because I was going to pick this one next, but I'd rather pick a silly one. Um, but I had a, I had an answer I wanted to say for this one. And, um, it's uh, one of the most profound things I read in my life and has kind of shaped where I am today. But it's, uh, if you want to be a woman, you can be. or personally if you want to be a guy you can be um the idea that cis people don't think about being the other gender and if you're thinking about that you might have other questions to ask yourself uh if that is something that comes to mind but the, the idea that people don't ask themselves constantly what it would be like to be the other gender or another gender uh never occurred to me um because i just thought that was a normal thing that people think so if you want to be a girl, you can be. I actually, conversely, would like to say, think about this stuff. I, I was always found this to be one of those things. Like, this isn't going to be my answer. But I mean, even if you are cis and consider yourself to be, it is good to examine why. I mean, yeah. I don't know, like not to get too deep into it, but you, I think it's important that you've at least asked yourself these questions. Yeah. So uh, I like it. Yeah. Um, something really personal to me. It's, uh, you know, still uh, one of my bookmark tweets was a, a friend that basically just, you know, said that if, if you, uh, if you want to be a girl, you can be, and that's changed my life. So mine, I, I guess on the surface sounds easy. Uh, I mean, my, my piece of knowledge, I get this comes up on the show a lot is the, it goes back to the do or do not. There is no try. Um, it's that idea to do things or not do things. Um, it's not to get stuck in this pattern of, well, I'm going to try it or yeah, I'll see how it works out. It's to just do it. Um, it may not work. And if it doesn't, that's okay because it goes along with my other piece of knowledge because I'm cheating and tying these together, which is you can ask for help. And I think that that is to me out of everything that I've done in my career. Um, that's like the biggest thing is just people being able to actually ask for help. I don't know if there's something about the fact that by the time somebody is willing to do that, they're, they're probably already in a good position to hear what you have to say or what, you know, help a therapist might be able to offer or, or might suggest. But I, I get so many people and I, and, and I do know that part of this comes with the population I work with also has an additional layer uh, working with veterans and predominantly male veterans um, of, of, you don't ask for help. Um, and I think that that is just that one thing that we talked about with the toxic masculinity episode with looking at kind of Gideon and wow, it's hilarious how often, well, not Gideon, sorry. We didn't look at Gideon for toxic masculinity. That was one of the few we didn't look at Gideon for. That was Jace. Um, <laughs> but you know, that idea that we just don't ask for help 
or people in general don't ask for help. And it's a weakness. And I think that that's something that I would like to break down. So my knowledge is ask for help and do or do not because there is no try. Now, Queer Vigil did a second part to this. So before we move on to Taya, I know your next one. I want to do this question because I love this question. It's same question, but for your favorite Magic the Gathering character and slash card or or card. I like this because it uh, what Queer Vigil was asking us to do is to answer as the character. Um, what would the character answer as? And after having us been doing these the the D and D for therapy groups that we've been doing for the last going on two and a half years at the VA, this is probably my favorite thing is we do a transition question at the start of every group to kind of help people get into their character, um, to try to answer as if their character would answer and to kind of, you know, play up this, 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 uh, you know, they talk about like the dual relationship between your character and you when it comes to role playing. Uh, you know, a lot of that comes down to like, well, what information do you have that your character doesn't? But I think there's an interesting interplay when you're trying to work with people on learning to separate themselves. Is that sometimes practicing things as a character or giving information as a character can be a, a very powerful way to work on stuff that you might be struggling with yourself. So with that said, I really liked that Queer Vigil kind of gave us this two-parter. And I'm going to start us off by saying that Mike, the same question for knowledge is for Squee. And uh, so, Alex, sorry for some more story if you want to close your ears and hum for a couple of seconds, uh, because unfortunately, this is very, very relevant and hard for me to, to miss or skip over. But it's that you have choices. So in the most recent story, Squee uh, ended up in the situation where he got to make a decision about his own life. He didn't just keep coming back. Basically, he also made his own decision which i think is to me that that point of like explore what your options are uh be flexible in your thinking because squee was basically presented with the choice to either you know go back and be completed and 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 just you know uh return to that lifestyle uh but sorry go back the completion basically be undone and continue to live immortally or he could choose to like finally die and he negotiated for the middle ground and he, he went for, you know, well, can I, can I make this situation where I get to come back? I'm alive with my immortality gone. That I get one more life, a true goblin life. Um, because he, he, he basically discusses a lot of what he's missed out on in some ways with knowing that he couldn't die. And so I think that just that idea that we have choices, I think that's the knowledge that squee would want you all to have. Alex, you can now unplug your ears and stop humming loudly. All right. I'll, I'll go in case Alex takes a minute to come back, but I, I'm going to, I'm going to uh, cheat here as well. And um, I'm going to use a line uh, written by you know, our friend, Bivlivor Orc, um, which is from Jaya. And Chandra asks about, fitting in and realizing you're different and Jaya's advice is just figure out where you want to be and burn yourself a hole to match. So, you know, it's find your own path. Don't expect to fit in. Don't try to fit in, do what you're going to do and, uh, you know, make your own way. And, uh, I definitely think that's, um, 
how Jaya would answer that question, you know, or provide some advice to anybody who is looking for it. That's a, that's a good one. I, I don't have a, I don't know that I have a great, great, I didn't have a great answer for this. So I, I have kind of a jokey answer and a, a, a second answer that isn't really jokey, but um, is a, is a good flavor text. It isn't a character that there's a lot of story for, but it's, it's a piece of flavor text I come back to more than any other. So I feel maybe together the two of them will, will account for one real answer. Um, so the, the jokey answer that came to mind while I was trying to think through characters real quick and, and a quick, like what is one important piece of knowledge they'd share with their own honest, it actually dovetails pretty nicely because it was Chandra and it was probably something to do with most things are combustible if you try hard enough which I think fits the goblin spirit um, also fits some situations that the characters might be finding themselves in right now. Um, but less the, the other one I have is, is the, the flavor text from, from Lyra Dawnbringer from Dominaria, which is simply, you are not alone. You never were. I come back to that a lot. That's that line has stuck with me. So I think that's a good one to share. I know we're picking all the queer vigils, um, but I, I wanted to ask their their question, um, their their silly question after a couple of really good serious ones. But um, this is a the take on the classic. You're stuck on a plane. What planeswalker um, do you get to rescue? You question is you're stuck on a plane. Which goblin would pilot it, and how would you fare? Uh, I'm going to go with Mizzix of the Aegis Magnus, because I trust that, one, she knows machines and would have the best idea how to pilot, and two, she actually values her life enough that she wouldn't just crash the plane for funsies. Uh, so I, I think I want, I want a, a well-seasoned and qualified goblin to pilot this plane if I'm going to be stuck on it. A good answer to that question, <laughs> Alex. You got one, or you want me to jump in? Go if you have an answer, go, and I'll I'll figure one out by then. So, um, I'm actually taking the whole uh, crew that is aboard the Goblin Balloon Brigade because uh, their flavor text is simply the enemy is getting too close, quick, inflate the toad, and they're on a hot air balloon, which is actually a toad. And so, I just think that they'd be really good at flying, like. You, I, I think that they are a very good crew who knows what they're doing if they're telling you to inflate the toad. <laughs> yeah, that, that was a really good answer. Um, I don't know. I guess for hoping to survive, I guess the next best option I have that I can find hastily is maybe breaches. Um, I don't know that breaches would have any real experience flying a plane, but would certainly... Um, Having been, you know, a pirate on Ixalan has some experience navigating to some degree. So maybe not good at flying the plane, but possibly good as a second in in the in the cockpit, trying to figure out how to get this thing to not crash somewhere. To not crash. Well, or to crash like in the least amount of damage possible, if that's <laughs> yes. your goal. If that's your yeah. goal. It was Taya's goal. So Yes. I, I, I would like to survive this this flight. Yeah. So who else are we thinking, really? Doretti? Doretti's not a bad choice either. Um, yeah. Slow bad? I think slow not bad. Not now. Not now. 
but slow bed goblin <laughs> trinkler slow bed well, yeah we don't we don't know maybe you know there isn't a i think he's still quite capable at landing a plane you just I'd might be, not want to be on the plane with him yeah. i just would be concerned where the plane would land at that point. right yeah. Yeah. <laughs> see then other options where I, was, I just rejected out of hand it's like togo no thank you <laughs> nope. come on alex the plane may be togo's best invention since the rock yeah. probably the greatest rock he's ever come up with and the final weapon he invented right oh yeah, yeah i mean going back to squee i don't want him flying it because um you know he he's good he we, we you know we know for sure he's good as a gunner but as a pilot i don't think i trust him see yeah I See, don't know. He spent enough time aboard the Weatherlight. He had to pick up something. He's always the, consistently underestimated. The yeah, goblin who, I don't think Hannah liked sharing, though. <laughs> the goblin who wouldn't have had experience necessarily, but might have a set of skills that would be surprisingly useful in the situation is Kiki Jiki, maybe? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Maybe two Kiki Jikis could figure something out. Where, <laughs> Maybe uh... two Kiki Jikis. Well, like if we're if we're gonna stick with some like a little, I, I'm gonna go with a uh, Ryan Sullivan's answer. Just kind of cracked me up. I'm gonna first go with the second half. Uh, uh, because there was like a two-part one to this, which is goblins driven by impulse. So wanting to know if one gobbo dropping her pickaxe and mauling another in the middle of a work shift just because the mood struck would incite an orgy. Like, I don't even know if this is fully a question. I just love the imagery. Like, it says, think of the howling among Timberwolves in Zootopia. So if any of you have kids and have had to watch Zootopia as many times as I have, it's basically this idea that, like, wolves hear each other howling. They're not able to not. Um, But I like that this is kind of like, I like it's got, the question is, would one cause this? Whereas this is not, this is just a statement. I'm pretty sure Ryan just wanted us to have to read something about goblin sexuality. Uh, Now, to be fair, the other question was, are there any forms of shared intimacy or is a goblin sexuality defined just by impulse? Uh, (laughs) And the, the second crude half of that would be, and they're just as likely to hump a rock as a mate. So I would be interested from that to kind of say, well, what does intimacy look like? I think it depends on the plane and the type of goblins you have. Okay. Um, like, um, Mercadia, that's going to be, everything's going to be super formal. Like, you know, you, you need, you need the parents' permission to date and you can't, you know, do anything without following all the laws and regulations where on, uh, Ixalan, it, it's just going to be one big party I and mean, they're pretty much plundering and, um, plundering and partying all the time so i think that's just going to be part of it there's they're not gonna they're not gonna mate for life on ixalan they're just gonna they're gonna have fun and do whatever they want at the time so no mercadia has those rules and regulations do you think goblins there are still following them though the goblins are in charge in mercadia Mm -hmm. they write the rules but like they're larger and smarter but i mean they're still yeah and that's and I get some of the the driven by impulse thing is is some of it is I a guess, goblin thing, yeah. some of it is a you know red, but there's a lot of things that sort of fall within red, like you know you have uh, also um, um, oh um, 
oh my goodness, oh my brain is totally shut down. Chandra's parents are mono red. You have, and there, there is, I mean, a part of that red is I think they're rebelling against order, which fits red in the color pie. Some of that is, you know, emotionality, but that isn't necessarily impulse. There's, there's a lot, and ironically, impulse is a blue it's card. A blue it's card. So I was just going to make the same comment. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's just, it's, it's a. It's a whole thing. I, I think it probably would be more more cultural and plain, um, dependent like 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 Tay was saying. Okay, I, I think that's a great answer. I'm just trying to think. Yeah, like amongst goblins, impulses still tends to be a primary yeah. driving factor. I would. Yeah, say. I think like dominarian yeah. goblins are very impulsive. Yeah. Um. Where think, if you go to you go to planes which have more structure, the goblins tend to get a little bit more structure too. Like goblins on Ravnica vary greatly depending on the guild they're in, but that's more their behavior. I don't think it's going to necessarily well um, necessarily affect their uh, their breeding processes. Obviously, the Rakdos have their own idea of what a good time is, but. Um, you know, it's not gonna. It, that that's gonna be more from being in the Rakdos, not because you're a goblin. It's gonna be. Well, um, and this this fits in with the with like the the plane dependent being the the Lorwyn Shadowmore kind of. You know, that's where we really get a much better concept of the goblins as uh, like communal warren based beings that you know probably are going to be a little bit more selective about breeding, or at least, well, or, I mean, it's not going to just be impulsive. Like they they are forming family units a lot more. Yeah. Okay. I, I mean, I really yeah. like the idea of like the of it being plane dependent because yeah. we've seen I mean, just how different goblins could be. Yeah, and then you've got you know the space goblin, space family goblinsons, obviously a family of 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 some kind out in whatever amusement space, whatever <laughs> whatever space exists outside of the specific amusement park, and wherever wherever the folks, the guests who are going there, are from. <laughs> yeah, wherever that takes place it's just yeah yeah whatever no longer they left a lot of meta- metaphysical questions open in that uh that set yeah okay i think we got time for one or two more i think you're up next hobbs didn't i just do that gut sexuality yes. thing yo you did that was your question sorry it's okay yeah the one who's uh i'm losing track here um um i think that's me then yeah <laughs> so I'm going to go with, with Ryan Sanios and hope that I come up with a good answer halfway through. I just think it's a fun question. Um, in a you know hypothetical world with a magic TV show where a magic TV show is created as an anthology series, what are some stories um, that you'd like to see as season long arcs? Um, and I'm trying to think like there's some some really interesting obviously we've we've got major major story arcs that have happened in a lot of a lot of magic's histories they've kind of been trying to tell different stories but i think something that could be really interesting that might fit as a good season at some point might be um like the creation of the guild pact something along those lines or maybe something oh yeah before some, the creation some, of the guild pact some Anarchy before the creation of the Guild Pact. That'd be pretty awesome. Yeah. yeah. And like, like, how did Ravnica become Ravnica sort of thing? Well, and, and I would love, and I don't think there is an actual explanation for it, but I would love to see them come up with an explanation for the Nephilim from the original Ravnica set. 
or block, which were kind of created as just random filler cards. Yeah. That unfortunately like, would be better as legendary creatures, but at the time, legendary was a more limiting thing because Commander didn't exist. So it's like, ironically, they made them not legendary so people could run four of them and, and hope that they would get more play. And history has shown that that didn't work. But a wild world to introduce us four color creatures and then yeah. not really have yeah. story associated. It's, yeah. I mean, and that might be something that come. I don't know that you start there because people don't care. If, if people are coming to it who don't know anything about Ravnica, that's not going to help. But if you have some sort of Ravnica storylines somewhere along the way, that could be a fun sort of like spinoff. Yeah. It, it, it's thing. funny though, is because the Nephilim themselves are like the very definition of a legendary creature there's they're the mm -hmm. ancient sleeping you know beings that threaten to come back and wreck the plane and that that's like but they're they're not mechanically legendary yeah yeah and for the first time doing something for color and magic yeah i yeah i know we're getting a little kind of deep in the weeds but i like this answer alex i like the formation of the guild plaque you know it, season-long arc so who knows maybe this is more than mm -hmm. one then the nephilim do come in later like yeah. 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 I mean, and I, do, I can't remember the, I, th I know there's a, there, there isn't literally zero, but there's not a lot of story there. But from what I recall, my, my idea or my impression of it was that the Nephilim were, were kind of part of the wild world of, of Ravnica itself before the guild pack sort of built the guilds and the city. And so that was kind of the existed in sort of the wilds before that. But I don't know that the, the two, overlapped or met at all maybe the nephilim predated it far enough that they didn't actually have any interaction so my answer for this one is the fall of the thron i think that would make a really good you know high you know really good you know special effects sci-fi yep uh series and um you know you get the birth of the phyrexians you get mm -hmm. uh, all this high level magic magitech warfare essentially um yeah the, you know, the throne they, they are like really don't understand what magic is they know that they can make these power stones and then later these soul bombs but don't actually have any idea of how it works yeah in in dominaria at least the throne predate the understanding of mana having colors yes <laughs> like that's i thought that was so cool when i i read that book a few years ago yeah, so I, I would like to see the, the fall of the throne. Okay, sweet. Mine's pretty easy. It's because it's the biggest cliffhanger that we've had in Magic of all time, which is we had these two Ravnica sets that set up this idea that there was going to be a giant war <laughs> on Ravnica um, over like the sparks, like Bullis trying to ascend to godhood. We don't even know where he is because we, we ended up just getting this, like, just we moved on, like nothing happened. So, uh, that would be mine is that we'd actually have a war of the oh. let's call it of the spark because i think that would be a kind of a cool concept um are you, are you sure it would be a war though would it be more like, of a battle more no of a battle? The, i mean that's the thing right like if we're gonna do a season-long arc you wouldn't have this over <laughs> in like fair. five days right like this would take yeah. at least a whole it's, season like are yeah. you sure it wouldn't take like 16 hours total like maybe <laughs> it seems like a more realistic time frame for a war of the spark spark so, yeah like it, it, it's actually like the, it's it's like a the magic's version of 24 where each episode encompasses <laughs> one hour of <laughs> yeah. the war of the spark yeah nice, nice. 
so yeah, yeah that would that would be mine mm-hmm. there were a few directions i thought you were going as you started answering but that <laughs> that was a good one Tom. well because the other the other half would be just a like season i, I picture in something that, that's just like a season in the meditation realm See, that's where I thought you were going second. Yeah. The first thing I thought you were going was to talk about the guildless. On <laughs> oh, yeah. oh, yeah. And and then I was like, I understand that that is significant to us, but to call it the greatest cliffhanger was a bit of an embellishment. <laughs> and then you kept going. I was like, oh, no, okay, he's going somewhere else with this. Yeah. I, I don't know, but but you bring that up, and I, I wouldn't mind seeing a Soprano series starring Cranko. Oh. See? Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. That would that is exactly what we need to take back the besmirching of Cranko's name. Yep. You, Hobbs, you and I were throwing out things, and then here today comes with the right answer. Right. <laughs> it's pretty good. Well, you know, we're we're at like fifty three minutes. I mean, we've got some more that we could do, but I think that this was a great mailbag episode. Alex and I, the last time we tried to do this, like we didn't really get very many responses and. You know, I think it just speaks to the activity that we've seen on our Discord and just even, you know, we got a couple of answers from from Twitter and some questions and we but but I would say that, you know, that we put this out and our 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 Discord channel really jumped to the like opportunity and getting to do a mailbag now that Taya is here, I think is just it was a it was a great use of, of this week's episode. So yeah, it was fantastic. So thanks to everyone who who sent us questions. This was great. And, and everyone who's listening and everyone who's on the cast and just everyone. Thank you. And just keep them coming because like we'll do these, you know, if we collect questions, if if you have stuff that you'd like to know from us, the, from any of the hosts, send it here. Email us. I have that in our in our show notes. Um, send us messages on Twitter. We we love talking about this stuff. Um, well, I'm speaking for myself. I love talking oh, about yeah. this stuff. I am happy to talk to people on Twitter uh, about any of your miscellaneous goblin needs. And that's our show for today. You can find all of the hosts on Twitter for now. Hobbs can be found at HobbsQ, Tay can be found at Taya Transcends, and Alex can be found at Mel underscore Chronicler. Feel free to send us any questions, comments, thoughts, hopes, and dreams to the Goblin Lore Pod on Twitter, or email us at goblinlorepodcast at gmail.com. If you would like to support your friendly neighborhood gobslugs, our link tree can be found on our Twitter account and in the description of today's show. This has everything from various discount codes to the link for our Patreon. The music for today's show was by Vintergotten, who can be found at Vintergotten at Bandcamp.com. The art was done by Stephen Raphael, who can be found at Steve Raffle on Twitter. Goblin Lore is proud to be presented by Hipsters of the Coast as part of their growing Vorthos content. Check them out on Twitter at HipstersMTG or online at HipstersOfTheCoast.com. Thank you for listening. And remember, goblins, like snowflakes, are only dangerous in numbers. <laughs>